Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there and welcome to the WP Builds Podcast. Once again, this is episode 112 entitled How to Do SEO Right with Phil Singleton. It was published on Thursday, the 24th of January, 2019. My name's Nathan Wrigley from pictureandword.co.uk, a small web development agency based in the north of England. And I'll be joined a little bit later, as I said, by Phil Singleton. But a few things just before we begin, most of them to do with the wpbuilds.com website. I'm uh, trying to get people to kind of contribute and subscribe and, you know, get involved in what we're doing over here. And so all of these links are going to be wpbuilds.com forward slash something. The first one is forward slash subscribe. So that's wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe. And over there you can join our mailing list and we'll send you an email when we publish a new podcast or a news item on a Monday morning. Uh, we've got a Slack channel which we use for notifications only really. And you can sign up to Messenger, Facebook Messenger. And again, the same thing, we'll just notify you when new stuff comes out. The other one is forward slash deals. And you can avail yourself if you click on the deals link in the menu at the top of the website, all sorts of WordPress products and go and find out what we've got. 20, 30% off all sorts of things like Toolset, Malcare, Blog Vault. If so, there's lots and lots and it's growing all the time. So go and check it out. The other one is webinars in the not too distant future. We've got a webinar about WebArcs, which is a security solution for WordPress. So you might want to go to wpbuilds.com forward slash webinars and you can sign up for that. And what else have we got? Forward slash advertise. If you'd like to advertise on the podcast, we'd be really appreciative of that. It really would help us out a great deal. And so go to forward slash advertise and you can learn about the, the different audio inserts and the banner ads and so on and so forth. And finally, this is becoming quite popular. I've got quite a few people on now. Forward slash contribute if you would like to come on the podcast and with me, do a screen share and for 15, 20 minutes, tell us about something that you've done recently that you're proud of. Could be anything at all. It doesn't have to be with related to WordPress even. It would be entirely up to you. So go to wpbuilds.com forward slash contribute if that floats your boat. The WP Builds podcast is brought to you today by GoDaddy. Learn how to build your WordPress business with free resources from experienced freelancers, consultants and agencies. You can find it all at x.co slash wpbuilds. That's the letter x.co slash wpbuilds. And the Page Builder Framework. Do you use a page builder to create your websites? The Page Builder Framework is a mobile, responsive and lightning fast WordPress theme that works with Beaver Builder, Elementor, Breezy and other page builders. With its endless customization options in the WordPress customizer, it's the perfect fit for you or your agency. Go to wp-pagebuilderframework.com today. And we really do thank all of our sponsors, truly, for their support of the WP Builds podcast. Okay, let's get stuck into it then. Today we've got Phil Singleton on all the way from America. He's going to be talking to us about SEO. It's a really interesting story. He goes into the details of his life before technology. And then he talks in with great authority, I think, about what we need to be doing these days and how the, the ground is shifting with SEO and what are some of the things that we need to do to keep ourselves up to date. And then right towards the end, we talk about, you know, how you could roll this in as some part of your business. If you're a website builder, you could perhaps make SEO a bit of a, a bit of a thing that you could sell to your clients. I really hope that you enjoy today's episode. Hello there. Thank you for getting this far into the podcast. Today's guest all the way from North America and in fact, Kansas City. So somewhere in the middle, we have Phil Singleton. Hello there, Phil. Hey, Nathan, how you doing? So yeah. happy to be here. Yeah, really good. Now, Phil um, came across my radar, actually, um, I think largely because of uh, Lee Jackson. Lee Jackson has, uh, has had Phil on his podcast in the past, and 
um, I think suggested that um, you know that I, I hook up with him and then Kim Doyle finally was the person that united the pair of us and he's here because he well I mean Phil has got his fingers in many many pies not only has Phil got a very successful web design business over at Kansas City Web Design uh, which is kcwebdesigner.com but he's also got his fingers in the podcasting pie and is a very successful author he's a co-author of a book which I'm sure you've heard of before um, so, Phil, let's just start right at the beginning, if that's all right. It's a bit of a generic question, normal stuff. But um, do you want to tell us about how you got into fiddling with websites and SEO and marketing and all that good stuff? Yeah, you know, it's, it took a very unconventional path. I didn't actually even try to build my first website until I was 35 years old. So <laughs> um, I'm not, you know, one of these digital native guys that's come up as a graphic designer or a code or anything like that. Um, really learned this kind of as a, I guess almost kind of like a second career, although it felt like a first career because it was the only thing I got passionate about. But, um, you know, I went to college for like business and I got a degree in finance and I actually got a D in computer science um, <laughs> in college. So it's pretty funny because I make a good living on computers. Now. <laughs> I, I literally am the poster boy for, you know, if he can do it, anybody can do it. So I hope that inspires some people. <laughs> um, but, you know, I got out of school. I had a very exciting job um, in insurance right out of college, uh, which, you know, I'm saying that sarcastically, yeah. but I was very happy to have something to pay the bills. Um, you know, out of school, but, you know, by the third year there, so I was just miserable in a cubicle and, um, I figured, geez, you know, some of the guys that I'd looked around the office had been there for 20 years plus, And I was like, I just can't do this. I don't want to be one of these guys, but you have a job and you get in, you start acquiring skills. I think people don't realize sometimes how influential your first, you know, step into the business world out of wherever you're coming from, I think can influence a lot of things, mm. you know, that happen with you. I felt like I was getting pulled down somebody else's destiny and it was harder and harder. To, I felt like I was, it was going to be harder and harder to like change or do something I really like. So yeah. I did something really drastically in my early twenties and that was, I quit my job. I sold everything and I packed my bags and I moved to Asia, Taiwan, uh, Taipei, Taiwan. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Great. Just kind of, you know, try to trick a, just do something drastic to change the trajectory of my life and yeah. career, I guess. Throw it all up in the air, see where it lands. And it was great because, you know, when I came out of school, I was very, um, I felt very confident, I guess, in high school and in and, and college. But for some reason, when I got out of college, I, rude awakening, and I felt like I just all of a sudden developing self-confidence and um, anxiety problems that I never really had. I mean, serious ones where it was like it became difficult to like talk to people. But anyway, I went to this trip on Asia, and I learned another language, didn't really know anybody, just moved out there. I ended up getting jobs and making some money, and somehow that really helped my whole like confidence and self-esteem issue to the point where you know, I felt like I could really do anything that was thrown in front of me. But long story short, towards the end of my 10-year stint in Asia, you know, during this part of this is in, like, in the dot-com era, um, I had a software company fall into, fall into my lap, and I was doing some business development for these guys, but they had some legal issues in the States. It was actually the company was called 321 Studios, and they made this like massively successful um, DVD backup product called X DVDX copy. Hmm. And it was like a, you know, $200 million a year, um, software company, yeah, but they, pretty but, big. <laughs> so it was kind of like for a little period, it was like the D movie version of, um, Napster back in the day where yep. Hollywood studios started to attack them in the U S they basically had, and they were selling it legally under the fair use rules in the States, but eventually Hollywood won. So they moved shop and they were looking for a place that was still friendly to sell fair use backup copy. And it was very, um, legal in a lot of the rest of the world. Uh, um, and it was, you know, I happened to be in Taiwan, happened to be doing business for them. And uh, the company basically fell into my lap. But that was where I found, okay, well, wait a minute, we're selling stuff online for the software company. Uh, we're writing affiliate checks, you know, 15 plus years ago for, for um, 50, 60, $70,000 a year. And I was like, how is this happening? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it was affiliate marketing. It was the early days of AdWords, and, but it really woke my eyes up to be like, geez, you I mean, follow the ROI trail. It's back to Google even back then online, wow. but very much so on websites. So that's really what kind of opened my eyes. And I was like, okay, I see what's happening here. Websites are really important. Google internet marketing is really important. So long story short, we ended up selling that company because Hollywood studios came around the rest of the world. Yeah, pushed their agenda yeah. And actually changed the DMCA laws basically around the world. 
Um, and that was sold. It was a nice payday for me, but it wasn't like retire and, and um, you know, buy an island and never have to work again. Damn. So we moved back to the U.S. I took a little bit of knowledge that I was learning on Google and stuff, and I, I basically, um, 2005, I did a barter website for a first thing. Never had no idea. You know, basically told this local business here in Kansas City <laughs> that um, I was going to build them a website. Now, that was a promise I didn't think, no, I could keep, right? But I figured I'm going to try this because I know SEO, I know how SEO works. have no idea how to build a website. I'm either figure this out myself or if I fail, I'll just take dig into my pocket and, and hire somebody yeah, to do yeah, a form. Yeah. Yep. But I ended up, um, you know, figuring, struggling through Dreamweaver, ended up like, Figure, uh, doing the ugliest little one-page website actually in Microsoft front page, which is Ooh, now gone. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll use but, you know, that. 60, exactly. 60 days later, this guy calls me up or so and is like, gosh, Phil, you've changed my business. You've changed my life. Phone's ringing off the hook. And I was like, boom. I remember that moment. I was sitting in my living room and I could hear the guy almost basically tearing up. And it was like, um, geez, you know, I, this is the most professionally rewarding thing that's ever happened to me. A small business owner says I've affected his business and his life and stuff. And I was also like, light bulb, I can make some money off of this, right? So that one barter yeah. deal where I basically went outside of my comfort zone, wouldn't have done that out of school because I was too timid, too anxious and stuff. But I figured at that point, you know, I'll figure this out. Um, and I did. It was a painful struggle over two or three weeks to try and figure out how to load one one page website up on the, <laughs> on the website, you know, after having nothing, if you can imagine, like, yeah, 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 it knows nothing, barely knows email. That was me, like, in 2005. Um, and then from there, I basically rolled into a nice, thriving, you know, digital agency and have done all sorts of stuff since then, but it all really rooted in that one one little barter deal. That's um, a really cool story. What I like about that story is it's kind of top back to front to most people i would say in the in the regard that the seo knowledge came first and then and then the the, the website building stuff came thereafter i i'm i think i'm right in saying that that would be mostly the other way around for the rest of us you know the the website stuff came first and then the knowledge of seo either comes afterwards or doesn't come at all in my case um so yeah, you're too harsh on yourself. That's funny though. <laughs> yeah, well, self-deprecating humor is a bit of a thing in the UK. We quite like it. Um, so you've got this. I mean, let's let's stick with the SEO stuff for a bit because that seems to be a large a large thrust of everything that you do. Because your your company, Kansas City Web Design, isn't called that. It's called Kansas City Web Design and SEO. Um, is that a big part of the business that you, you have there? Do you mainly uh, get clients because of the SEO work or is it all combined? You know, we'll build you a website and we'll get the SEO stuff going at the same time. Or do you sell SEO separately? Well, it's really interesting because what I find is, you know, from a marketing and sales standpoint is that business owners, you know, are always looking for a Band-Aid fixed or usually it's some yep. kind of a tactical thing that they're looking help for. With. Yep. So sometimes it's, it's like, oh, you know, we need more leads and sales, so we need AdWords, we need social media. If they look, know enough about, you know, what SEO is, they look for SEO. Um, and a lot of them, a lot of them, because the vast majority of our leads are going to come from people looking for websites because they're just like, we're not getting enough leads anywhere online. Maybe it's a website problem. Maybe we need a new website, right? So that ends up being kind of that tactical or, you know, piece that people need. Um, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, I market myself a lot as web design because the vast majority of searches for that kind of stuff, yeah, there are yeah. leads anyway, come from actually people wanting web design mm -hmm. help first. Now, no matter how they get to us, what we end up telling them is, Hey, our pitch is, well, wait a minute, things have changed. Your website can't be perceived as a digital brochure. It has to be a marketing platform where you put a lot of content, draw people in, you know, can tag them with stuff, all that remarketing thing. Mm. So no matter what tactical piece they need help with, it really all comes back to, hey, guys, we need to turn your website into a marketing platform. Yep. Right. And that's really what it comes back down to. So so we market ourselves in a couple different ways. But I have an SEO site. I've got a marketing website. I've got a web design site. You know, I am what people search for, basically. Yeah. And then when they come in, it's always coming back to because at the end of the day, our whole 
process and the things that we sell are based off the website because to me that's the keys to the kingdom yeah it's very rare that a business um comes to me at least anyway and that's not right at the top of the list like we want to do well um in terms of getting the phone ringing well how are we going to do that well we're going to do it through google and so on you know um that that is all a website is is a platform to market yourself very rarely do i get a project where it's not that so in your experience this is going to sound like a dumb question, and I hope it doesn't come across like that. What is SEO? So really, SEO to me is um, anything that you do to your web presence, and largely by web presence, I'm talking about your website, that increases your visibility in the search engines. And normally when a lot of us talk about the search engine, we're really talking about Google. Mm. Um, but it could be a lot of different things. I think the way SEO works these days is it, you know, it used to be you know, SEO used to be a lot more about, I think of it as like a pizza pie. Half of the pie was kind of like on-page SEO where you're building out yep. pages yep. and trying to manipulate and do stuff on the website. Yep. And the other half of the pie was link building, basically, yep. trying to get as many links as possible back to your website to try and kind of gain. More, there are lots of different things, variations, you know, within the little bits of ingredients, how the cat and mouse game with Google over the years. But that's really, really changed. Right. No so, kidding, yeah. You know, and that's really, I think, what's remarkable about SEO these days. You start to look at what really moves the needle for people in SEO. It starts to look like holistic digital marketing, you mm. know, based on a website. It's the, you start to factor in social media participation, content marketing through blogging and other stuff, podcasting, all sorts of things, writing books, right? Your, your review strategy, making sure that you've got some great way to make sure that you're always documenting happy customers, in multiple places. So they start looking at stuff like even when we wrote the book SEO for growth, I get a little bit of pushback from some folks in the SEO community saying the book that you wrote really is not about like SEO because it's, it's focusing on all these other marketing aspects. And my counter argument to that is you don't understand how SEO works now. Google mm. has become fantastic at going out and finding lots of different signals with you everywhere. And then trying to figure out how to calculate those into a way that ranks your website. So it's kind of a, you know, the simple answer is, you know, SEO to me is the things that you're doing on your website to get more visibility in namely Google. But um, kind of the under the hood, more deeper answer is, hey, it's really more about how well your overall web presence is tied back to your website, you know, in a way where you're kind of calibrating your um your content mm. with the way people are actually searching for things online. It's a really interesting time as well. I mean, for Christmas, I got myself one of these Google Home devices and I'm, I've started to use it in all sorts of interesting ways, you know, like inquiring about products and inquiring about uh, plumbers and electricians and things like this. And just just the permutations of how does information even get in there? You know, how do, how do we, how do, and then there's Twitter and all of these kind of things going on at the same time. It's really interesting. And I kind of, I kind of feel that we'll be speaking a lot more to our machines and that's going to make things radically different. But the reason I mention this is because things are constantly changing. How, how does somebody like you, who um, is a, is an SEO expert, how do you, how do you even keep up? How do you, where do you go to find information about what's coming down the pipe? Who do you listen to? Where do you find your information about um, staying relevant and having the most up-to-date information? Great. Yeah, great question. Well, one thing I think some folks that are into SEO have an advantage on if they've got a decent enough book of clients is just the fact that, you know, we monitor stuff and where our clients, you know, are performing mm. organically on Google on a week, you know, daily and weekly basis. So you can kind of see things change across your book um, that... Um, that help to know, like at least let you know that things have, have changed, right? Mm. Something's going on. Mm. And then another place I typically will go to is I'm a big fan of one website called search engine Roundtable. Right? Okay. Yep. And the reason that's a really cool website for people in SEO and even marketing is that the guy, Barry Schwartz there, he does a great job of basically monitoring the chatter for SEO and digital people in some of the foreign forums and then kind of like aggregating that on, on a post on his website on a daily basis. So like for me, if somebody I can like, Oh, I see something like I see something very different in local results today. You know, I'll look around. I was like, I know something's going on. I'll go look to see Barry's website to see if he's reporting on any significant chatter. 
um, from other folks that are, you know, kind of in this, that, that space where they're really kind of looking at stuff in the weeds, like on a daily basis. So that's one, that's my favorite place. Cause he does a really good job. I think of aggregating, you know, chatter from the, the guys that are actually doing it on the ground. Cause one tricky thing about, it's a great question. Cause one of the tricky things about some of the other websites out there is a lot of times it's rehashed information. It's like journalism, it's opinion pieces, um, and the stuff gets out there and it's great educational, but it's not like what's happening like right now Yep. type of thing. And yep. so following somebody that's actually following chatter right now and then even some of the um, um, like the um, engagement and comments within the posts, posts can also be helpful and stuff. So that's my favorite place. Um, say that again. What was it called? It's – uh, search engine roundtable, right. seroundtable.com. I've not heard of that one. But it, yeah, I mean, to me, um, I often sort of have this debate with myself, like, is SEO an art? You know, is there some sort of knack to it? Um, you, like, in the same way that you might be good at drawing or something like that. Or is it is it a science? Is it purely data driven? Um, and it, it, I, I don't know. I don't know which way it goes because I feel that some people kind of fluke their way into it and just do well, um, kind of just, just with innate knowledge and other people just sweat the data. Do you have somebody within your organization that, that literally sits and just churns through the data? Um, or do you do that job and, and how often and what are you looking for? You know, at the strategic level, it's pretty much me. I mean, I do have mm-hmm. full-time SEO specialists that kind of execute my strategies. Mm-hmm. But... Um, you know, I guess for me, it's really just kind of the stuff that I'm seeing more at the macro level, because I do believe there's um, there's some lots of basic things in in SEO that I think people should apply. But to some degree, especially when it gets really competitive, I guess there is some some bit of nuance that, you know, an art to it, I guess, to say that, it, you know, really competitive things. It probably just does make a difference on how talented the SEO person is in terms of creativity. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say that's, you know, but again, I, I don't want to make it sound, then it sounds like SEO is so far out there. Yeah. The reality is, <laughs> the reality is so few people even do the basics of SEO on their website that I think it's still wide open and will be for a long time because they don't even just do the basic stuff that doesn't really require you know, competing on the super, you know, competitive global stuff out there. So, but, but at the end of the day, some of it at the super, at the highest level is probably almost like, you know, having somebody, two people that have gone to law school. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean they've gone through the same training that they're going to be equally talented Mm. or or winning cases. Mm. So there's a little bit of nuance, a little bit of art to it, how you apply and change things and do things. I think there's a little bit of that, but, um, like I said, the vast majority of just applying the basics, I think most people don't do. So there's, it's just wide open. So imagine that I'm approaching you and I'm a Kansas city person with a Kansas city business. And I've got this mess of a website um, and you're gonna give me your pitch if you like. Um, what what are the basics of SEO? What is the stuff that absolutely must happen? And then maybe we could get into the what are some of the more advanced things that we might look at. Obviously, not giving away the keys to the kingdom or anything, but uh, explain. oh, I give it all up. I oh, okay, it was let's in the go. book really because it's not. <laughs> just, I say, well, you, seriously, you do stuff, and it's like the more I've gone out and like shared info. Yeah. The more I realize, maybe because there's so much good info out there, people just don't want don't know what to act on. Yeah, and also um, at the end of the day, there's a lot of people who want to know about SEO but want to hand it over to somebody like you, who's an expert. You know, even if they've got an inkling of how it works. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, the first thing that I think is underrated, and I think there's people out there that say it's even like a deprecated um, signal, is the value of keyword research. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly. All marketers out there go out and they say how important it is to know how your ideal client is and, you know, do personas and and do all these things. But to me, how well do you really know who your ideal client is unless you know how you search for them? So this really, when somebody comes into our office, it really does blow their mind when we ask them, how do people search for you? And they just guess. Right. And yeah. we pull up like AdWords keyword planner and maybe SEM rush or Ahrefs and show them this is exactly how people search for your, you know, your products and services. And this mm-hmm. is the number they do on per week. This is how competitive it is. This is how they're spending on your competitors are spending on AdWords and stuff like that. So that really like shows people pretty quickly where you can see the light bulb going off like, wow, we've never really thought about our business That's like that. We don't such have- an easy one, isn't it? Because. I don't know how many times I've had that exact same conversation. No, no, nobody's looking for that. Don't waste your time. You know, they're actually looking for this. Yeah, that's a that's a good piece of starting advice. Great. And then even for the you know WordPress developers or just website developers, I mean, our biggest pitch is look, 
you, the problem that people have with marketing and online marketing is they build the website first and then do the marketing and SEO on it later. Hmm. Well, that's not ideal. Mm -hmm. Ideally, what's great is to go in and know how people are searching and see what pockets of search words they're going for. And then we can prove to you what kind of content you should have on your homepage, what pages you should have, what additional pages you, you should have. Sometimes having that list and prioritizes even gives you like a good chunk of your entire like content marketing strategy, mm. like things you should write about. So that really resonates with even like the business owners and their Cause my whole thing is I really try and bring back um, the discussion to return on investment mm -hmm. because people come in and they're getting pitched on, Here's these great functions and features of WordPress. Here's how fancy and great our web design is. But my discussion with business owners is we need to turn this into a return on investment, right? And we do that with science of looking at the way people are searching for things so that you have the highest chance to show up in search results. And then I can also prove to them a couple things um, that really help in terms of what kinds of things to add to the website. So we take the web, even some of the guesswork out of the design. So keyword research is key, and that's one of the first pitches, which really rests because we talk to people all the time. There's like, gosh, we've talked to three or four people. Nobody's really explained web design like that, like mm, this. Stuff, which is great. Yeah, it different. Yeah. Now they've got a differentiating, you know, thing, right? Because you're coming at a different angle. But a very powerful hack to me recently has actually been is explaining people, and this is really cool. It's kind of a little bit out there, but it really works once you once you hear me through. Is explaining to people that um, Google has an army of about 15,000 um, search quality evaluators. So wow. they literally, their job is to go out and manually check random search results and report on the quality of the web pages and the websites that they find. I did not know that. That's Super, let me, this is, you're gonna blow your mind because it's yeah. really, really powerful. So what, about two years ago, they actually, and they've been doing this for years, but two years ago, they actually publicly released the search quality evaluator guidelines, which is a hunt. It started off as a hundred and some odd pages. Now it's about a hundred and I think 60 pages. Um, and these, again, these search quality evaluators, they're not like they're trying to find rocket science. This is like people that are just lay people that, you know, whatever, looking for extra work. But the idea is the things written to be easily understood. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, absolutely fascinating when you read at least part of this document, because they go into specific detail, on how to train these folks and what to look for on a web page to determine if it's a high quality site. So, you know, in Google, of course, didn't just like randomly do this. They pour over this document, yeah, yeah, yeah. update it all the time. Um, but in there, they're really specific about the things that they want to see on your page. And when I have this document, I can prove to people that are in front of us or talking on the phone, like this is how we design a website. When people want to do this and they want to do stuff fancy, they want to add all these bells and whistles. Well, look in this document here, right? And even the table of contents, it says, here's what you must have on your website to, to, for Google to determine that it's quality. And that is they go into certain things like they mentioned abbreviation EAT dozens of times. Expertise, authority, and trust. Look for EAT. Look for EAT. Well, what does that mean on a website? It means you should see... I'm an address. It means you should see a phone number. It means you should see testimonials. It means there needs to be a status. I mean, they go into like each, I mean, there's like, you know, 15 different things that they tell specifically that they want people to see and like knock off of their checklist. Wow. So for me, I'm reading this and I'm just like, oh my gosh, one is I feel like I'm looking at the answers to the test, you know, yeah. <laughs> before we take the test. Yeah. But also it's very powerful for a client to be able to say, this is how we build websites. We put these elements on there because Google says this is how they rank websites. And then that gives us a competitive advantage because what we want to do is manage the balance between good design and features and the things Google wants to see to be able to rank you. Because Google's a $700 billion company. Their whole goal is to help you develop a website so that they can drive ad to it so you make money off of it. So it's like let's take some of the guesswork and the fluffiness out of development and design and work some of the, the you know, um, science into it that Google's actually like giving you out for free. Mm -hmm. And that's really my whole, that's kind of a long winded thing, but it really, it really sells, man. When you, when you're looking yeah. for a reason for someone to pick you over somebody else, especially in design, really, really powerful. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine that. And also because of the fact that it's written for human consumption, um, presumably I'm going to read that, uh, and you know, hopefully get some little morsels out of it, but you get the impression, which is obviously incorrect, uh, having learned that little 
inf- bit of information. You know, you get the impression that it's all the algorithm. The algorithm is everything, and that once the algorithm changes, yeah, you're, you're screwed. And it sounds like, um, from what you've been saying, that if there's 15,000 people just checking for, uh, as you said, authority and, and what have you, um, there's a human element. And so just doing the right thing, uh, ticking those boxes, is going to help an awful lot. Yeah, that's, that's really good advice. Speaking of Google algorithm changes... Um, is that sort of stuff still a thing? Do do they do things go from number one to number fifty overnight? Do we still have to deal with, you know, the the Google horror overnight thing? Well, it really does seem over the course of um, the last like year to two years mm. that the changes have been less jarring. Mm. Um, but I think Google's done a really good job of ripping the bandaid off with some of the earlier, you know. Um, adjustments they made with with um, updates like Penguin and Panda, if that, yep. those ring a bell for yeah, sure yeah, for yeah. some people. Yeah, because those literally liked. <laughs> I mean, they were you know put companies out of business that were just solely, but they kind of had to do that to change behavior, and it really was painful for I think for a lot of businesses, even in mainstream. I mean, there's people like J.C. Penney, Overstock.com, eBay. A lot of people were starting to try and you know invest a lot of money into manipulating the system, so yeah. I think they had to do something to um, change behavior and boy did they because those early ones really really were like seismic you know yep. changes that shuffled the deck hard yeah um and we you know now it seems like the the changes are happening all the time and there's fluctuations and what i find more is there's a little less um jarring reshuffling going on mm-hmm. there's like not major bombs they drop mm-hmm. but there's a ton of things that they never used to do in terms of how much and what data they show in the search results, right? So you see oh, all sorts boy, of yeah, yeah, rich amazing. snippets and knowledge yep. cards yep. and yep. You know, all that stuff's really, really changing so much that, I mean, if you go to SEO Roundtable, I mean, they're just constantly, you never used to see like, oh, it looks like Google's testing this, oh, it's Google's testing this. And all the time we're trying to see like what they're testing, which ones stick. It's almost head spinning that way. Yeah. Um, but so, a lot less complaints on, oh my gosh, what happened? I was number one and now we're number 20. And I think one of the things is they worked Panda, which is the on-page algorithm, kind of into the the core algorithm. And they also have done, I think, a much more fair and better job of not over-penalizing people on the link-building stuff because it mm-hmm. changed. Mm-hmm. But I think it was too easy to do negative SEO, and 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 there, it was just too sensitive to some link-building stuff, yep. which for a while I think made the search results for some folks that were trying to like actually do it legitimately. You know, still try to used to see people complaining that you know, things fell off or reshuffled too hard. So that stuff I think's really kind of eased in. There's a lot less huge changes, but there's a lot more um, volatility in terms of the way it's being presented. I am. Um, I, I basically Google lives in my head. You know, um, I have an Android phone which is sending back location data all the time, and I speak to my devices in my home and ask it questions. And I even go as far as filling out their their little Android survey so they know all sorts about me. Um, and whenever I look things up on my search result, it's totally different to my wife. Um, you know, I'll I'll type in something similar, and she, we don't even look at the same list of results sometimes. Um, is that a problem? You know, this idea that Google's trying to give you something so bespoke, so unique, so focused on what you, what Google knows about you, does that make the job of an of an SEOs expert harder, or is that, or are they doing a better job so it's easier? I think in general they're doing better, but I mean, one of the things to keep in mind is, I mean, if you're an active Google user and you're logged into their services all the time, that's me. Um, yeah, so you're going to see things differently, especially if you're looking at the way you're searching for things, for things that you've searched in the past. Yeah. So, um, But for the most part, when we do SEO, a lot of it has to do with um, people that are trying to look for generic you know, words that have a lot of commercial value for mm. the first time, right? Mm. So that's going to look a lot, even if, for you, even if you're looking, so if you're looking for something, Nathan, for the first time, you might see something more similar, you know, based on a search um, mm. you've done first versus mm. one that you've done many times. So you, your, your search results are going to look different. So I guess it's a little bit better, but it is be- You know, Google came out, it's pretty funny the other day, like they're always at SEO uh, roundtable, you know, talking about what the spokesmen are, you know, are saying there. And, you know, they said recently, like, yeah, in terms of those first searches, the personalized search is really overrated on that first initial search, right? right? right. Of course, they are going to localize stuff a lot. And yep, that kind yep, of thing. yep, yep, yep. 
compared to where you are and stuff like that. But you're seeing stuff really different from your wife because your search behavior is different and you're logged in all the time. Yes, especially on, on searches you've done in the past. Yeah, I don't think I'm in any way typical. I think it is amazing, though, that depending on where I am, if I type in, I don't know, pizza, you know, up it comes. And so, you know, if you're a pizza restaurant, you need to be associated with the place where I'm standing and all of that stuff's great. And as you said, the page itself is just such a cornucopia of just just a myriad of information everywhere. Um, just boxes and maps and further quotes from Wikipedia. And it's it, it's an amazing time that we live in. Constantly, constantly amazed at what Google can actually, you know, do. Um, and like you say, it can make or break people. Changing tack slightly, um, if I were a, a web developer and I was starting up for the first time, um, would you say that SEO, SEO is something that I should be dabbling with um, as a sort of bolt-on service to what I sell? Is this the kind of stuff that you would encourage people to, to sort of learn on the job a bit? Or these days, is it more, no, get, get your skill levels up before you start offering it because there's too much, too much danger of screwing it up for the client or not giving them any value? I think there is a slight bit of danger if you, um, you know, for most smaller businesses, smaller business websites, the ones that like the vast majority of them don't really have enough organic like traffic or leads and stuff to where you'd have to worry about, you know, building a new website. It does get a little risky when you have a new website and, and they're killing it organically. Mm. And then you're building a website because that's was is a big part of our business now is people will go off and they've worked on SEO and then they'll have it redone and they don't realize that the new design <laughs> might kill some of the things that were making the phone ring. So yep, yep. that's not something to be like scare people away, but you should keep that in mind and you should know enough SEO to know like, okay, I'm building a website. What does their organic traffic look like? And, you know, is there any, let me pay attention to some things to make sure that we can transfer over you know, as much SEO equity as we can. So at least keep the page titles, maybe the links the same or manage your redirects and th- you know, basic things like that. So you're not going to be blamed for, you know, having the phone stop ringing when the whole purpose to refresh it was to make it ring more. Um, but I do think everybody should learn the basics of SEO and try and sell or get involved in some way. Because one, if you're a WordPress developer, web designer, you have everything that you need to understand the basics of how it works. Mm. Um, and two, it is a really nice differentiator because Google's the one platform I think that is the common denominator among all business owners because not everybody uses Facebook every day. Not everybody, especially business owners, they're not maybe using Snapchat or tweeting and all this kind of stuff, but everybody uses Google you know, to some extent mm. in part of their search process. So it's the one that since it's at that common thing, it's the one thing as a web designer, you come in and you can at least say, hey, I've got an, a, enough amount of knowledge here to you know, apply some of the basics. Um, that's a very powerful um, thing, thing to be able to say. Yeah. But I also think every web designer out there has the ability to use SEO as one as a differentiator, but as a way to position themselves to sell ongoing services. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because what's beautiful for me is when we talk about SEO, we're talking about, hey, we got to do the on-page stuff. We've got to make sure that we keep up with the changes and make sure that we're updating your website on a regular basis. But what moves the needle in general is, you know, we need to be blogging at least on a weekly basis for most folks. We Mm. need to be participating in social Mm. media. We must be collecting reviews, you know, on a regular basis. We must be building the type of content that makes us an authority and a leader in our niche. So I position those things as very important to SEO because they are. And I position myself as the person to be able to help them make that and deliver it for them. Yep. Now, all of a sudden, that's a lot more value to be giving to somebody. And that's a lot more you can charge. And it's not that much harder to do, actually. No. I, I, if you go to um, to uh, kcwebdesigner.com on the homepage near the, near the bottom, are sort of six areas that you've lumped your business into. So you've got web design. SEO, social media marketing, web development, um, AdWords, PPC, um, and inbound marketing. You, so you've broken it up into six different distinct areas. If, if I were beginning um, in web development or, or indeed, you know, if I've got a business which needs a, a, a bit of resurgence, should we say, are, are you happy with that? Was that a good idea, breaking it out into different sections and selling those as separate services? 
Um, so, for example, when I sell a website, I often sort of throw in the SEO, uh, the initial SEO, the on-page stuff, as if it's part of the website. Do, do you think I'm missing a trick there? I should break that out as a separate thing and charge it separately and then have that as part of the, you know, the ongoing maintenance and what have you? So initially, I mean, our pricing is actually basically includes the SEO piece of it. So, okay. you know, and I'll get very specific. I mean, we charge anywhere from eight to $10,000 for a custom WordPress site with the SEO. And yep. so, um, I know some people might want to charge a lot more than that. Other folks, you know, maybe charge less or whatever, but mm -hmm. in our market, it's a good starting point. Cause it's a good, it's a good, um, it's one of those things where it doesn't, for the people that actually ha maybe have the funds to be able to fund an actual program on top of it, it's yep. not high enough to where it's like disqualifies them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I do yeah. find somewhere in the two, three, four thousand dollars sometimes those are the companies that if they do, they're barely putting that together because they don't have it. So for us, that price point works and we can and make it profitable. Yeah. But it's, we're baking in the on page at that price, basically. Um, but where I differentiate is okay, you know, most people are going to want to hire us to do the ongoing because that's really what I'm in business to do yeah. is to get earning revenue. We do a lot of one-off projects, but most people are hiring us because they want the website to produce um, new new um, leads and sales. Um, and then for us, that ends up being a two to maybe $5,000 a month engagement, which sounds like a lot, but if you package it up as SEO, blog writing, which again, we have writers to do, um, the social media distribution, which is a really powerful. If you use something like a snap auto post or one of these auto posting plugins, yeah, yeah, yeah. you, you kind of can build a little system where, okay. And, and I'm gonna break this down to you. Cause I think everybody in your, in your group and, and your audience can use this, especially web designers is, and I'm always looking for ways to do the minimum amount of work yeah. and maximum amount of value. Yeah. So what we end up doing is blogging is a huge piece to the whole system that we sell to people. And here's why is because, um, when we blog these days, we don't do single blogs for our clients. We do them in like packs of 10 to 15 and they're structured more like a series so that we can then spin them into an ebook. That's a traditional inbound marketing call to action on the website. Right. Mm -hmm. But you can't take 10 random blog posts and stitch them together because you don't get that. Right. But for us, if we think about the 10 ahead of time, now all of a sudden we've got standalone blog posts that are being, where a book's being written basically in the background as we post the, the, the um, post out once a week. Um, and then what's ended up happening, we post them on the site. There's a bunch of stuff that we do I actually have a WordPress plugin that, that enables you to, um, apply, you know, schema, to pages on your website. Uh, I think I know the one, yep. Right, and then, um, and then we do that. So when we post on the website now, we've plugged in Snap Auto Posters so that when we hit publish, it's being distributed to anywhere from five to 10 you know, social media channels when yeah. it's being published, right? Yeah, yeah, now yeah. the client's seeing that go into their social media channels and it's getting spread out. And so the auto post, Snap Auto Poster's got the pro version, which, um, which enables you to drip feed it rather than just hit it once and blast everywhere. Yep. But that's a big part of the social media program. So it's a semi-automated part where we're helping them with social media by just distributing that initial blog post. But of course, in the end, the blog, the 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 um, books, the ebooks being written in the back, and then we end up stitching that together. Once that's stitched, we make the ebook on the website. But a powerful piece of this now is we then turn that ebook into a mm -hmm. Kindle and publish them on Amazon. Huh. Yeah, now that's a very shiny authority building thing where you become part of the your clients like resume. Now huh. they're off. Very, very powerful. You can't understate how this is. But also when they become an author up on Amazon, they get an author page and they can plug their RSS feed. They get some really powerful links just yeah. from that, just from that thing. But but then what we end up doing is for the ones that are advanced content marketers is we use that book as a way to package them into a guesting campaign where we get them published on, on podcasts where now they're actually helping us execute the, um, the campaign for us. Cause they're actually the ones talking for 20 or 40 minutes. <laughs> Very clever. And they're getting great backlinks from the process and they're yeah. actually doing some of the homework for us. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. But it's a very powerful thing to be able to book people on shows. So, you know, we position it as, as a you so your it all comes back to the website. Do the keyword research. Now we've turned the website into a marketing platform. We've got a content marketing strategy that helps you build your website up, get more longer tail keywords, use that to, you know, fuel your social media network. Now that we're also making you an author, we're building your personal branding and authority, and we're also going to put you on a, on a um, media campaign that's going to help you get out there. So all of a sudden, so I'm telling you how to execute it. It's not a whole lot of extra work, but if you package it right, that's a very attractive, high value campaign that doesn't cost a whole lot in comparison to what you can charge. I think every WordPress developer that's telling websites can actually reset to sell this to every one of their clients. That's, that's how. Yeah. Yeah. That's really clever. <laughs> Do you get a lot of pushback? I mean, my feeling is that you're now you're now in a kind of like a league. You've got yourself um, to the point where you're probably going to attract a lot more clients than a lot of the people listening to this. Potentially, you know, you've, you've, you're a big hitter. Um, did, did you find like trying to sell that stuff for those price points? You know, talking about blogging, we're going to do your blog for you, and you know, then we'll produce an ebook. Do people's eyes glaze over a lot, or are they are they willing to take a punt usually for the first couple of months, even though the price point is fairly high, just to see how it goes, and then they're just handing you the money because it's working? Well, so, some do, but yeah. I mean, what we end up telling folks is in the beginning is like, look, there's all sorts of great. I have this great video by Google that says, hey, you should really give your SEO company for to 12 months because um, it really is a six to 12 to 18 month process. But what ends up happening is if you can convince the business owner to be like, look, we're all website companies now. Don't fool yourself. Um, referral marketing does not work like it used to. People are going to look you up online. If your reviews suck and your website sucks, your competitors probably going to get that. So mm. if we can get those people in that mind work where they're like, okay, I understand my website's not a sunk cost it's an investment. We need to nurture it. Mm -hmm. And then and you explain like what I did all this process and they buy into it. It buys you a lot more time and it's a lot shiny um, stuff. But really for me, the most powerful thing I, and I will say this is an advantage obviously is I just do the stuff that's worked really well for me. Yeah. 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 And so you do, you do a search for Kansas city web design. We got 130 reviews. We come up for all sorts of stuff. You land on my page. I talk, you go to caseywebdesigner.com and I told you about expertise, authority, and trust. As you scroll down my page, that's all you see. People we've worked for, mm -hmm. books that I've written, mm -hmm. plugins, and all the stuff that's in there that really positions myself the way I'm trying to pitch myself to a search quality evaluator. It's all there, man. All the things are checked and I've stacked the deck. And I say, the way that this works, and in a lot of cases, it's like, this is the way you found me, right? Well, that's the system I'm going to build you. And it really works for us and I can prove it. Um, but um, at the same time, I think everybody should be doing this and they should, you should be doing it for yourself and it does work. Yeah. I mean, if you're trying to differentiate <laughs> yourself, go do this, do the blogging thing, make yourself an author, get pitched, pitch yourself on some podcasts, work on your review strategy, own it locally. Cause most of your competitors just aren't going to do it. I mean, so many people, you know, reviews are actually really, really rare. If you think about it, yeah, yeah. you know, you see a company with 400 reviews, they probably have had 40,000 customers. They only got a tiny, tiny percentage but we all use reviews to, to um, make purchases. Well, yep. if you're a web designer in your area, your niche, with a lot more reviews than somebody else, you're going to get more clients. It's, and it's just most people don't yeah. think of it that way in their own business. They don't have the discipline to always be looking and trying to document those happy customers. Yeah. I mean, that's a key to it. But, yeah, that's that's so the pushbacks, yes and no. But, you know, a, a big selling point for me in the office is when I come in, I'll show people like my whole presentation is. Let's do a search for one of these keywords. Oh, there I am. I popped up. I got more reviews from somebody. You landed on my website. Here's my expertise, authority, and trust. You see yeah. how that works? Yeah. That's how you came in here? Yeah. That's what we're going to do for you. And then all of a sudden, boom, they're on. You're on fire. <laughs> well, it's just con – I mean I think one, you know, one of the things is maybe a slight advantage for me is not coming up as a graphic designer or a coder. I mm. came in like finance and ROI, and it's really like – what, what could I have to do to like make this thing into an ROI for somebody? And yeah. I think when you take a step back and look at the whole process like that, mm. then it changes the way that you pitch folks. Yep. You know, and, and I think that that maybe has helped me kind of see things a little bit differently. But I again, this is stuff. I was, sorry to interrupt there. I was just saying, I love the um, little sideline business that you've got going on there as well. You, this thing called podcast bookers.com which is really an interesting idea um the idea that you'll you'll kind of get people on podcasts for um as a service <laughs> this is cool um 
Yeah, I hope you'll send a few my way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> is that working? Is I'm that, surprised is you're that... not getting pitched because it's kind of yeah. <laughs> You're not getting pitched all the time for a new guest. Yeah, it's 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 coming. It's kind of like developing over time. I think it takes a bit of time with in in any industry. You know, you've got to just sort of wait your time, stick it out, and it's beginning, shall we say? Then it's like careful what you wish for because I talk yeah. to folks <laughs> yeah. all the time. Like, oh, look at like John Jance. He's got the duct tape marketing podcast. It gets like 15 pitches a day. Oh, you know, yeah, so. too many, too many to read. That's Listen, almost. Phil, with sad regret, I'm going to have to sort of call time because we have, All right. we have, a, we have an hour-long podcast-ish and we've used up about 45 minutes of it and there's bits to go in front and, and up back. Um, just a couple of minutes, if that's all right. Uh, just you can say whatever you like, pitch whatever you like, shout about yourself, whatever. Go for it. Yeah, I would just say, you know, if you check out caseywebdesigner.com you might not um like what you know design's subjective and it's i'm sure there's all sorts of things can be picked apart from a mm. development or design person but look at the content on there and and look at the way you know read that that um search quality guidelines at least part of it and see how you can kind of you know stack your own deck i think that's a great lesson learned because it, it's worked for me that way you know check out podcastbookers.com but really for a lot of folks that are getting started you can package yourself up and um pitch yourself in the beginning. You don't need to hire a third-party service mm. um, to do that. And, um, you know, check out seoforgrowth.com. My book, literally, that I wrote with John, Jance of Duct Tape Marketing, it's got all that stuff that we do is in there. And it was really meant to, like, try and change the web design industry a little bit and get people to think about SEO deeper in the process. Yep. But I'm on the side of web designers. I think that most of them don't realize that, they could be getting and making a lot more money if they got involved um, with the site after it launches mm. in a bigger way. Yeah, uh, because it's not as big and scary as you think it is to to deliver some of these services. So check out SEOforgrowth.com and uh, and thanks Nathan for having me. You are very welcome. Lots and lots of wisdom in there. Thank you so much, Phil, for coming on. I hope that we'll get to talk to you again sometime in the near future. Take care. Thanks, Nathan. Okay, I hope that you enjoyed that. I certainly enjoyed chatting to Phil Singleton. He's a mine of information and he's a, a really a really good raconteur, I think. Somebody who uh, talks about SEO with great authority and wisdom. Very nice to hear his messages. The WP Builds podcast was brought to you today by GoDaddy. GoDaddy Pro is teaming up with web industry experts to bring you practical, real-world advice and guidance. Build your WordPress business with their free guides, articles, and tutorials at x.co slash wpbuilds. That's the letter x.co slash wpbuilds. And we thank GoDaddy for their support of the WP Builds podcast. Well, thanks for staying with us right till the end. I really appreciate it. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Join us again on Monday to hear the latest WordPress news. And if we don't hear from you on Monday, then I will see you again next Thursday for the next installment of WP Builds. Have a great week, and I will begin to fade in the cheesy music. Bye-bye.